You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Today's show is going to be a little different because it's a crossover episode between ourselves and our biggest rivals, the Locked On Sooners podcast. David Walker, former uh, Sooners offensive lineman, is going to help me talk about breaking down the rankings of the Big 12 coaches uh, and maybe some of the antics and, and what's the difference between Tom Herman and Steve Sarkeesian. We're going to get into all of that Uh but let's go ahead and kick off the conversation with David. And now it's time for a little bit of a crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got the host of Locked On Longhorns, Patrick Kahn, on with us right now to talk about this new hire down in Austin with Steve Sarkeesian. Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, I'm really excited to get your take on this. I know John and I covered this last week uh, when the, the hire was announced. We spent a little bit of time talking about that and kind of gave our our farewell to Tom Herman. Obviously, he provided you know a lot of uh, back and forth with Sooner fans and kind of had a lot of fun with Tom Herman over the last four years. You know, all in good fun on Twitter and things like that. But now they've moved on. Steve Sarkeesian is in town. What was your take on the hire, and what's the general impression down there in Austin? You know, a lot of people were not necessarily thrilled at first. Uh, they know the history. You know what he did at, at Washington, and we know the circumstances in which you know he had to leave. USC 18 games into his tenure, um, you know, and he kind of went through this rehabilitation uh, kind of what, you know, Alabama fans are calling it because uh, if you're a coach on the outs, you come to Alabama, you be an analyst, you work your way and then, you know, you work with Saban and then you move on. But you have to think about it. Tom Herman was always viewed as this offensive minded guru but it never really worked. And I think, you know, his brash attitude, his demeanor, his antics on the sideline, his antics in meeting rooms, it never worked. It never gelled. And it, you know, he gives us the impression that he's the smartest guy in the room. And so Sark is, it feels like a completely different dynamic. And, you know, there is a lot of optimism, a lot of hope. Stan Drayton, the running backs coach who's been vital to them and recruiting is staying on. They're bringing in Kyle Flood as the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. Uh, you know, we're hearing more and more names, but there is a level of excitement and a level of recruiting that, uh, I mean, as you know, following Sooners, uh, the recruiting at Texas is, is taking a nosedive over the last, you know, six to eight months. And so Sark is bringing uh, a little bit of excitement and enthusiasm there as he tries to put together his staff and, and finalize this transition class of 2021. Well, what do you think he's going to do on the defensive coordinator position? I know there have been a couple of names mentioned. Uh, some have thought about Will Muschamp, who was a former Texas defensive coordinator, currently looking for a position. And a name that Sooner fans uh, find intriguing, and for a couple of different reasons, would be Mike Stoops, who's also been there with him at Alabama. What are you hearing on the defensive coordinator front? Well, uh, so the story came out that Will Muschamp turned down the Texas job and which is not fact. Uh, Will Muschamp was never offered the job because uh, he he made it clear that he's not looking to jump back into coaching in 2021. Uh, could that change with a certain 
uh, move, it's possible. I mean, you, you never know with these things. I mean, there could be a job that's too good to pass up. So he was a name. Uh, another name they're considering is the former Atlanta coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, he spent some time under Will Muschamp at Florida uh, back in 2011-2012 before heading to back, going back to the NFL. He's a name that's on there. Uh, Arnett is a guy that's on there. There also there are recent reports that we're seeing about the actual the the Alabama defensive coordinator and P Golding. Uh, so right now it, it feels like we're getting a new name every day. Uh, it, it it doesn't seem like that's really been nailed down. They've had conversations with Corey Rain out of LSU, uh, who was kind of their recruiting coordinator and then defensive back coach. And so right now it feels up in the air. I feel like I have a pretty good hold on the offensive staff. The defensive staff just fills up in the air, and I don't think we're going to get a final answer until after the national championship game is completed on Monday. Okay, so is there any potential at all for a Mike Stoops being on this staff in any capacity? Uh, I don't think so. I think, I, you know, that was a name. Uh, we, we had heard his name uh, almost immediately after Sarkeesian was named head coach, but it, it, it doesn't seem like there's any traction there. Okay. Well, I think that would provide probably more intrigue to the matchups, and I think it would actually benefit Texas uh, on that side of the football. And that's, I think Mike Stoops is a fine coach. I think in the right scheme and the right setup, he would, he would do well uh, somewhere. But uh, certainly that would be provide some intrigue. But as you look at the, uh, you know, the Sarkeesian hire, obviously, uh, the Alabama rub is real, right? I mean, he's he's about to go play for a national championship on Monday night. He's got the Heisman Trophy winner. He's got the Davey O'Brien winner and you know texas put out a tweet last week or here this week i guess after the heisman ceremony they put the heisman trophy out there and you know both a and m fan and sooner fan alike took a lot of shots at that it, is texas are they looking to you know do you feel like there's an intentional strategy to say hey we're trying to insert ourselves into these games right now because i i, I go back to the day that they fired herman and they hired sarkeesian happened to be on the day that mac brown is playing Texas A&M later that night in the Orange Bowl, and all of a sudden, like the story became that morning in the pregame Texas, and on the on the postgame it became Texas, and now the national championship game is happening, and Texas is going to be in that conversation again. Do you feel like there was some strategic play there to say, hey, we can kind of put our chips on the table and get in those conversations? Yeah, I think. I mean, I th I think there is some validity to that. Uh, like you said, I mean, not only that, but. Texas basketball had one of their biggest wins of the year on that same day. Nobody was talking about it. I mean, they upset Kansas in Lawrence, you know, and then that's a huge thing because Texas only won in Lawrence, I think twice and loss of Bill Self's uh, career at home. And so there was, there was a lot of that, but nobody was talking about because they fired Herman and Sarkeesian. I think there was a lot of that. And I know that people make shots about the, the Twitter post. I even said it. I said, well, I was like, when did Texas football become Aggie football? Because that's kind of – it felt like that was their their thing. They're always, you know, rah, rah, SEC, all that. And so, yeah, I looked at it that same way. But I think it, I think it's a recruiting play. I think it's a play to get, you know, people talking about Texas, obviously naming Sark a head coach. And uh, as you can see, if you've paid, paid attention to any of the media sessions that they've had prior to the national championship game, they're asking Steve Sarkeesian, they're asking – Nick Saban, they're asking Devonta Smith about Sarkeesian going to Texas. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think it was a it was a ploy to, you know, kind of get their name out there and, and 
get people talking about Texas uh, in in that light just for for multiple reasons, and I think recruiting's at the head of it. Yeah, and I think if that was part of the the thought, I mean, mission accomplished. They've certainly got themselves in those conversations. And when we come back next segment, we're going to talk with Patrick about where Steve Sarkeesian fits in in the Big Twelve coaching hierarchy. Is he a top five, top three? Where, where is he at? Where is he? Um, you know, need to prove himself. We're going to talk about that. We're going to give our top five coaches in the Big 12 Conference heading into 2021. There are some pretty big NFL matchups on Wild Card Weekend. You have Cleveland, Pittsburgh going at it for a third time. Maybe you're interested in watching betting on Seattle, L.A. one more time. These are matchups that we've seen twice this year. We get a third with the extended Wild Card Weekend. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports books experts. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Patrick, let's talk about this Big 12 coaching uh, situation that we have now. Obviously, Herman's out, Sarkeesian's in, and you still got you got a lot of continuity for the most part outside of that in the Big 12 conference. There's, uh, you know, obviously Baylor made the hire last year, bringing in Dave Aranda, similar situation coordinator off of a defending national champion and Sarkeesian may be the coordinator off the defending national champion. So some influx there, you got less miles. Yes. He's at Kansas, but former national championship head coach up there who also, you know, had some success in the big 12 at Oklahoma state prior. And you kind of forget about less miles up there because Kansas has been so terrible, but I mean, that guy won an sec title, won a national title. And he's sitting up there in Lawrence, just kind of hanging out. I mean, he's getting paid well. He's he's not winning any games, but he's a national championship coach in the league. So as you look at this landscape of Big 12 coaches, I've got a, a kind of a thought process about where I have my coaches ranked in the top five, but what is your top five Big 12 coaches as you head into 2021? Uh, well, you know, so I think when you look, look at it, even I'll look at my, I'll tell you my rankings last year. You know, I had, you know, Lincoln Riley at number one. And then right behind him was kind of a tussle between, uh, you know, Tom Herman as the second best head coach, uh, given what he had and, and what they've accomplished under him. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy, uh, Matt Campbell, and, uh, you know, uh, Gary Patterson. Those were my top five. And so to me, you take Herman out, and I think you get an improvement with Steve Sarkeesian. Now, we don't know who's going to be on the staff to do that. But I still think from a X's and O's standpoint and what he can do offensively, I think Steve still has to be up there in the top five. Um, you know, I, I think those are the five best coaches. I mean, yeah, you you talk about the things that Les Miles has done, but, you know, he's so far removed from that. You know, is he still at that level? I mean, we know it at a certain point coaches lose that competitive edge or, uh, you know. And so when I look at a Les Miles, I think he's talented. Absolutely. Uh uh, and I think the head coach down at uh, Baylor is talented. Uh, but, you know, when I look at it from that standpoint, that that's where I'm at. Uh, obviously, I'm going to put Lincoln Riley at number one because, you know, he's the top coach until you can knock him off. Um, and, then, and then it becomes a tussle between, you know, Gundy Patterson, uh, Matt Campbell with the job that he did last year. Um, you know, two through five is really tight for me, and that's kind of where I put him in there. 
I can see that. And I, I totally agree on Les Miles. I think that the, um, you know, that was a hire by Kansas just trying to, from my opinion, I think it trying to pop some, some national credibility. I mean, they got the, uh, the, I think it's called miles to go on the ESPN plus thing where they got a little documentary. I mean, I don't know who's watching a Kansas football documentary, but they got it on there at streaming. So, uh, sooner fans, yeah. if you're totally bored at uh, 2020, didn't bore you out of your mind with quarantine time and you need something else to kill, go check out some Kansas uh, football documentary. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's really, I think it's an intriguing coaching situation because I think Dave Aranda, I think two years from now, we're going to look at Dave Aranda and have a whole different conversation around him because Baylor, they didn't win many games, but they were right there in the fight in almost every game they played. I and mean, they, they played better than their record showed. Um, and it kind of remind, yeah. reminded me of Matt Rule when he took over. They didn't win any games. They were building and they laid a foundation. But I, I would put a guy in there, one that you didn't mention that I, I am really high on and probably for good reason just as a Sooner fan, but I've got Chris Kleiman in that group as well. And the job he's done at Kansas State, I think, you know, with Skylar Thompson stays healthy this year, they have a much better finish. I don't know that they would have uh, competed for the league title or anything like that. They wouldn't have done what Iowa State did, but I think they probably win maybe one or two more games. But I think what he did at North Dakota State, I mean, he's a dynasty builder, and people have different thoughts and, and different uh, levels of respect for the FCS level. But, I mean, when you look at what North Dakota State has done up there, winning championships is hard. And it's not like they have that many more resources. You know, the FCS level, they don't really have – there's there's not as much haves and have-nots as there are at the Division One Power Five level. So, for what he built up there, the kind of quarterbacks that he's produced – and, you know, they're about to have it. They got a top five guy coming out this year, a top five quarterback on uh, Todd McShay's big board that I'm sure Chris Kleiman recruited. So I think that he's going to get that thing going. And I, I see him, you know, he's beat, beat Lincoln Rally twice. So he's another guy that I would put in that mix. But for me, I go Lincoln Rally one. And, you know, as much as he, um, as much heat as he takes for not being able to beat Oklahoma, Mike Gundy just, keeps coming along and I, I'm not going to put him at number two right now because I think that he, he is another guy that I would question the fire he's been there for so long I don't know that he has the fire underneath him from administration to to win it all or to, you know that has that pressure to to do more than he's doing but I would put Matt Campbell at number two right now I'd put Mike Gundy at number three just because of again he's done it over a longer period of time while Sarkeesian does have the cachet of being with Bama and he has had some success as a head coach. He hasn't had the kind of – he hasn't had the level of success anywhere that Mike Gundy has had at Oklahoma State for that that type of uh, tenure. So, I mean, if you look at Gundy, he's got a Big 12 title. He's had, you know, lots of uh, lots of solid seasons. A perennial top 25 team. So, uh, to me, I will put Gundy at number three. I'll put – it's kind of a tie to me. Like, And, again, I, I just go into this, like, this thought of until until proven otherwise, your record is what it is. Right, so he's ten games over five hundred, roughly, and you know, to me, and I, I don't want to just poo-poo the hire here because I think there's a, some upside with him, but I, I don't really see him coming in as anywhere higher than number four. So I, I would put him at number four because I think he's going to have the resources to win, but I would put Climate at number five, and, and I'd have Patterson at six. And again, I would, the reason I would have Patterson there is similar to what you have about Les Miles. I think that's it's the the older these guys get, the longer they're in these positions, and they don't have the administrative pressure to be a big 12 championship, you know, level contender every year. I think those guys kind of get a little bit complacent, but it's really, that's six pretty good coaches right there in that top six. All right, real quick. I want to tell you about rockauto.com. This is one of the 
best places to go when you need something for your car, your automotive, your truck, your van. There are so many makes out there between Fiat, Kia, Ford, Chrysler. There's so many models. It's impossible to stock all the parts you need at a traditional storefront. So why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Do you know the size motor? You don't have to have all that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. The great thing is you go, you type in your make, your model, and every part's going to show up there right for you. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Head on over to rockauto.com. Right locked on on their how do you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just head on over to rockauto.com. All right, as we wrap up this conversation with David Walker of Locked On Sooners, I just want to remind you to check out Joshua Neighbors, Locked On Big 12, Monday through Friday, breaking down all the news in the Big 12 Conference, all the biggest matchups as college basketball season roars on. Check it out, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, and uh, at one point that you made that I was kind of uh, in agreements on, and you talk about Dave Aranda and what he's doing down there, and you have to think about it. They just hired Jeff Grimes. You saw what he did at BYU with Zach Wilson. You know, I think that offense is really going to take off for them, and then uh, obviously being a defensive-minded coach, I think Baylor's going to be a lot better next year than, than a lot of people think right now. Um, you know, I can, I can agree with with your list, and Kleiman does fantastic, and Trey Lance is a guy that, like you said, he's likely uh, was recruited by him uh, at, at North Dakota State, and he's looking like he's going to be a first-round draft pick this year. So, uh, yeah, you, you really have to watch him, and I think agree, I agree with you 100% with what you said about Skylar Thompson. If he's healthy, Kansas State's a much better football team. Um, you know, with the freshman quarterback, uh, Will Howard, you know, how much better could somebody else do in those shoes with that situation that was going on, especially with COVID-19 and losing so many players? Uh, you know, that's a tough deal. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that we're fairly consistent with our, with our top fives as far as the head coaches go in the big 12 pecking order. Yeah. And I think that's really where, you know, I, and I guess if I kind of circle back to the Texas hire on that, obviously, the Urban Meyer rumors were so strong really for like the whole month of November and maybe even earlier than that in, in the world that you're in, but it really started getting national heat, uh, you know, around November. And I think as it went into December, Sooner fans were kind of, you know, I, I kind of looked at it from two different perspectives. There's one side of it. You say, man, you know, do you really want Urban Meyer down there in Austin to try to go build something? And on the other side of it, I would say, well, if you're a Sooner fan, you, you kind of need Texas to, if they're going to go hire somebody, you might as well have them, you know, get somebody that's going to bring more credibility to the conference. And Urban Meyer would have brought credibility to the league just from the way he plays, what he's built in other places. So in some ways, I feel like if even if he didn't turn it around, it might have been a better win for Oklahoma if they were going to continue to 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 win those games. It might have been a better win to be able to have that win over an Urban Meyer coached Longhorns team. Or at least if you lose, you lost to Urban Meyer. So I was I kind of saw it from that standpoint, but I also see it from the standpoint of, 
when you throw that name out there and you flirt with that so publicly, it, no matter who they were going to hire, it was going to be a little bit of a letdown. But to not bring in somebody that was going to be right there as like a definitive battle Lincoln Riley to be the number one coach in the Big 12, that, that was there a thought around the program or just around the, the Longhorn beat that – that, that it just felt like there was should have been maybe somebody that had more cachet or somebody that had more head coaching success, given that Urban Meyer was so prominently talked about. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll speak to those rumors. Those rumors really kicked up uh, in early October uh, after the TCU loss and the way that they lost, how they performed the week before against Tech, need a miracle, uh, and then going into uh, the Cotton Bowl. Uh, to face Oklahoma, and, you know, it was supposed to be a, a down year for Oklahoma. It was Texas' best shot uh, at competing for the Big 12 championship and kind of trying to take over uh, the spot that Oklahoma's been in for, you know, the last six years or so. And so that that was – all of that culminated, and that's where it's really started, and that's when the conversation started. Uh, as far as, you know, going after and, and Urban Meyer and missing, yeah, a lot of people – had kind of that mentality of maybe we should have gone after somebody with a little more head coaching experience. Because if you look at some of the hires that Chris Del Conte was making at Texas, he was going after proven head coaches, guys that have been in the, uh, like the softball coach. He went out and got somebody who'd been in the college world series. He did the same thing with the baseball coach, a basketball coach. He went and got um, Schaefer from Mississippi state. What did he do? He played in the national championship game twice, you know? And so that's what we thought, when, in the, you know, I wrote this uh, looking at head coaches. Okay, so are they, they must be looking at guys who have college football playoff experience. There were a couple coaches that I thought fit that outside of an Urban Meyer, um, and they weren't even in contention, it didn't feel like. So uh, there was some talk about that uh, for sure. So I think you're dead on there. Um, you know, they I think they went with Sarkeesian because I think they looked at it and go, okay, we missed on Urban Meyer. We struck out on Saban several years ago. Let's get a disciple, somebody who's, you know, trained directly under him to try and bring some of that culture to Texas because they understand that culture is a problem in Austin. They realize that throughout the Herman era, and I think that's why they made that change when they did. Yeah, and as as much fun as John and I had, and you know, obviously just tongue-in-cheek with the hashtag Extend Tom Herman movement that we uh, tried to – to cultivate. I, I know you didn't, you know, always care for our, our tweets, but it was, uh, it was fun. <laughs> it was funny. It was fun. You, you know, it, and you know, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, there, there, actually there were some head coach names that I had heard and, and people were trying to talk about, Oh, let's get this guy. And I'm like, forget that extend Tom Herman. I don't, I don't want that coach. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, there were times where I used it myself. So, well, but, good but when you look at that though, I, I do think that, you know, regardless of how much Oklahoma fans would have loved to have seen Tom Herman stick around, I think the fact that you have your rival fan base is pulling for that coach to stick around is a, the biggest indicator that you probably do need to make a change. Um, but I, I do think that it was it was the right thing to move on from him. I, I think that he was clearly not the right fit. I don't think he I – th- I feel like that program was too big for him. And my biggest criticism of Tom Herman wasn't that he couldn't beat Oklahoma or that he wasn't winning the Big 12. I just didn't feel like he, he operated that program like a serious person. You know, I feel like he was – he showed a lot of immaturity at times – and to be the, the the head man of the biggest program in the state of Texas, you just, to me, and maybe I'm old school on that, but there's a certain way you need to kind of carry yourself and present yourself. And I just feel like he was beneath the position in, in his antics a lot. 
The antics bothered me a lot. The uh, National Signing Day, flipping the double birds at the camera. Oh, I didn't know the cameras were on, or I didn't know we were live. Uh, I, I don't care about that. Mocking Drew Law and Jack Ball on the sideline, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for a lot of his antics. Now, the team, the players seemed to like him, and, they, and you know, the, there was plenty of times where he stood up for him and, and all of those things. Uh, but what it boils down to is is winning football games. And I always felt like with Tom Herman in recruiting that he didn't bring Texas players. When you look at a Texas roster, yes, he would get a top player. He would get a top safety like a Caden Stearns, a B.J. Foster. He would go out to Arizona and get a Bajon Robinson, who is fantastic this year. But for the most part, it felt like the class was beneath where you should be. Like, I felt like he was bringing players that he would recruit at the University of Houston to Texas. And and so when I looked at that, I was like, nah, you, need to, you need to raise the level. And that was always my big issue with, with his recruiting and the fact that you had a guy like Quinn Ewers who grew up a Texas fan, diehard, wanted nothing more to play for your program. He leaves legacy players like the Brockermeyer twins decided to go to Alabama. Why? There was something going on there in Austin, and I think a big part of it was Tom Herman. All right, but that's going to do it for this edition. Of the Locked On Longhorns podcast, I want to thank David Walker once again for mixing it up with me so we could have this crossover on a Friday, even though we didn't have a game to talk about. Plenty of conversation, breaking down our top five coaches in the Big 12 Conference. That's going to do it for me. I will catch you all next week. Hook them.